Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. Amen. Called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And here at FCBC, how do we say it, family? We live, we love, we serve. It is Palm Sunday, but I'm I'm going to come another way. You know, I, I am one of those persons. You know, I've been preaching for a long, long time. And um, this moment that we call the preaching moment, for me, ought to be a moment of, of, of radical transformation. I grew up in church, and many of us have gone to churches, and, and, and tragically, in some of our spaces, this moment becomes a moment of great entertainment and performance versus a moment of healing. And this is why some of my subject matter is intentional because I don't want you to come here and feel energized but not transformed. Or to feel good, but you've done no reflection or introspection. That's what the good news is, is to awaken something in us and push us to do what? To be the best versions of ourselves in this world, amen? So, so this is, you know, next week is Resurrection Sunday. So this scripture comes from that journey of Jesus on, on Jesus' way to what we know as Golgotha or Calvary. So in Mark 14, I want to read today. Mark 14, beginning verses 32 through 42. Mark 14, 32 through 42. And I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version of Scripture. Here's how it reads. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter and James and John and began to be distressed and agitated. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved even to death. Remain here and keep awake and go a little farther. He threw himself on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. He came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep awake one hour? Keep awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing. The flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed and saying the same words. And once more, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were very heavy and they did not know what to say to him. He came a third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Enough. The hour has come. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you today. And we honor you today, oh God, for how 
you continue to love us in our fragile spaces. Thank you, God, because in our journey with you, we realize that we ought not be afraid of being vulnerable. We ought not be afraid of being transparent, especially when you cover us, when you keep us. So God, on this day, let your word do its own work. Let it move, oh God. Let it touch. Let it restore. Let it redeem. Have your way, oh God. Have your way, oh God. Lord, we love you. And God, the truth is, there are times we wonder why you still love us. But grace is still sufficient. Mercy still endures. And your love still covers. And that's why we're still here. That's why we can rise early this morning with gratitude in our hearts and joy in our spirit because you still keep us. We celebrate that on today, oh God. We celebrate that. This is our prayer. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 One day, one day I'm just bring her up here with me and I get ready. Um, you all can take your seat. Let me read that again in your hearing and I'll try to hasten this today. They went to a place called Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter, James and John and began to be distressed and agitated. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved even to death. Remain here and keep awake. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me. Yet, not what I want, but what you want. He came and found them asleep, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep awake one hour? Keep awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak and again he went away and prayed saying the same words and once more he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were very heavy and they did not know what to say to him he came a third time and said to them are you still sleeping and taking your rest enough the hour has come the son of man is betrayed in the hands of sinners get up let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. I want this morning to speak from this subject that I pray will bring healing for someone. Overcoming abandonment. Overcoming abandonment. The moments in our lives where we experience deep grief, agony, and pain are not always the sum total of our existence. No one can say that necessarily their entire life and every aspect of their life is marked by grief, pain, or sorrow. These moments arrive to us and these moments are experienced by us. 
And oftentimes, that arrival and those experiences are preceded by what we would identify as times of celebration, times of joy, times of happiness. That is why it is often dislodging when those moments of grief, pain, and sorrow arrive because they often again come on the heels of great joy, celebration, happiness. And then you find yourself, as I've said many times over the years, blindsided by that pain, that grief, that sorrow. And the issue is that it is not whether or not those moments will arise in our lives, it is how we handle when those moments arise. We don't always need preparation for the joy, the happiness, the bliss, but we do know, need to know how to handle those other moments of grief, pain, and sorrow, and in this case, possibly even abandonment. Nobody wants to think through those deep, emotional and psychological issues that are fed by some level of trauma. But the truth again is it comes and they happen. And the issue is how do you deal? If Jesus is anything, especially the way the early church understood Jesus, there is there is an amazing humanity experience in Jesus. The reason why so many identify with him is because they have been touched or are being touched by his humanity. What makes Jesus so relatable to many of us, and we're not talking about whether or not you know doctrine or creed, but if you've had an encounter with the carpenter, the reason why those encounters resonate with us is because there's something, something deeply human about Jesus that resonates with all of us, but also lets us know that if we continue to learn and follow, that we will also learn lessons on how to navigate those moments of grief, sorrow, abandonment, pain. Maybe not necessarily in the kind of step-by-step -step formula we would desire to make it easy, but we can glean these things from his life. Notice what we're here today for. This is Palm Sunday. This is the celebration in the liturgical calendar of when Jesus entered Jerusalem to celebration and fanfare because he symbolized what the people were waiting for. That is the alternative to the oppression of the Roman Empire. He doesn't come in on a chariot or a horse. He rides in on the back of a donkey, the symbol of peace and transformation. And he's announcing in his very being that he represents another way of showing up in this world. And people are celebrating those who've been marginalized and those who've been broken by the dominant culture and those who've been wounded through the prism of oppression. They, they celebrate his arrival and the people, you heard the song sung, are crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory be to God. For they cried because they believed in their hearts that this man symbolized the hope they were waiting for. And so they shouted, we never get a feeling or sense when we read that story that somehow Jesus is enamored by the celebration of the crowds. 
We never get a sense that somehow he pauses just to take it all in and to bask in the recognition of his, his mission and his connection to God. Maybe because Jesus understands what all of us often have to learn the hard way that people are inconsistent. That people can be funny sometimes. Why? We know it. We've experienced it. We've all experienced those kinds of dichotomies and friendships and relationships where there is bliss and beauty and joy. And then we experience those moments where there is pain, agony, and sorrow. And, and, and if truth be told, we've been on both sides as victim and villain. In fact, all of us at different points of our lives take on three roles, hero, villain, and victim in different moments. And, and that's called the capacity to be honest with yourself about yourself, that you're never always just the hero, and you're never always just the villain, and you're never always just the victim, that your life in some ways is this beautiful mixing of these three possibilities that exist within you. You in one day can move from hero to villain to victim, but oftentimes it's the victim thing that gravitates towards us, or rather we gravitate towards it, because with the victim mentality is this deep notion that we get the attention that we desire, that people pay attention to us, which is really underneath all of the insecurities that exist in our lives. But again, we all play those three roles. Jesus, I know, understands humanity deeply, and that's why he doesn't fall victim to being, well, well, caught up in the celebration and praise of fickle, inconsistent, fair-weather people. After that, he enters the Jerusalem and it is preparing for the scene of Passover. You got to see this. And Jesus then moves from this celebration and then down the road he goes and gathers with his disciples to experience the Passover meal. And there in the upper room, he initiates what we come to know, well, it was the Lord's Supper or communion, but he was celebrating Passover, the moment when death passed over those persons who were coming out of Egypt, who had the blood of a freshly slain lamb upon their door post and death passed over. He does something that night with his disciples. He transforms a celebration of Passover into a real-time embodied moment. Passover was about nostalgia. What he was going to do was about the moment. This is my body as he breaks the bread. Broken for you. He then blesses the wine. He said, this is my blood shed for you. It was as if he comes to a point in his own mission and journey where he hears the overtures and the, and the sounds of death coming. And he makes those last moments meaningful. And he says to them, I know we're here celebrating the Passover, but, 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 but something is about to happen. And I want to make sure that you catch me clearly that you see me. It has not just been about the miracles and even the teaching as well, but it's about the sacrifices that I've made and have endured just to honor the call of God on my life. People don't always understand the sacrifices made and the pain endured when you try to honor God the best you can. They have no idea what goes on when you have to make deep sacrifices for the calling and endure great pain and frustration because of your commitment. 
He transforms that moment and he there that night, not only did they celebrate the Passover, he washes their feet, a radical act of humility. He, he moves from being one who is viewed as master and teacher to now being friend. And he lets them know that friendship is greater than anything else. He, he says to them that if you can't allow me to do this, you can have no part of me. Peter doesn't want him to wash his feet. And, and he tells Peter, if you don't let me do this, you can't be in fellowship with me. Don't want don't desire my teaching, but not handle my humility. It is a beautiful thing in these narcissistic times to see humble leaders, people who lead from a place of humility, who do not act that those around them are there to serve them, that persons, leaders who don't use people as stepping stones to their own elevation, but understand that the greatest leaders are the greatest servants. They understand that what makes your leadership transformational is the capacity to serve and not be served. He had been teaching his disciples that for a long time. And that's a word for those of us in church who get caught up in titles and who get caught up in names and positions. And you can have every title in the world, but if you do not understand that you are a servant at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Paul, Paul put it like this. In, in Corinthians, Paul says that you could be gifted. And I know some gifted people. I mean some folk who have spiritual gifts that you can't even imagine. Gifts of prayer, gifts of sight. I know people who can pray in ways that seem as though the heavens are entering. I know folk who can speak in tongues. And Paul said this, if you got all them gifts, but you abandon love, they mean nothing. So in some ways, being a follower of the teachings of the of, of the carpenters about radical love and radical humility. Even when you're in a position where you can exercise authority and power, it is radical love and radical humility. He does that in that upper room. He washes their feet. He transforms the moment and makes himself the symbol of what they have been celebrating. And then you got to watch this. He goes from celebration and his arrival where the palms are being strewn across while he rides on the back of a donkey. He moves through Jerusalem. He gets to that upper room and he knows that pain is on the way and he transforms that moment and he does not sit in the celebration of people who are celebrating him he says my body will be broken for you and my blood will be shed for you he recognizes that and then 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 that moment that night as they're talking he's talking about the fact that he must suffer and Peter's like no I don't want you to suffer I don't I don't believe that I'm gonna be with you no matter what happens I got your back I ain't gonna let you go through nothing by yourself you know people like that who declare that that they got your back your ride or die friends they got your back hold on wait a minute Peter Peter says this to, to Jesus and Jesus looks at him not with disdain or anger not with frustration or bitterness because again he understands the human condition he understands the inconsistency of people he understands what it means when people say one thing but their heart reveals something else he understands what it means when people profess to be amazing but then they're revealed to be disappointing he understands all of that he tells Peter straight in his face he says listen Peter I get it I know you love me and I know you want to be there for me. But on this night, on this night, before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. You got to understand this. You got to see what's going on. He says, I'm not, I know you love me and I know you care about me. But we all know that oftentimes in the midst of love and care, there's this thing called self-preservation. And when self-preservation shows up, we have a tendency to forget the love and care we express in the face of self-preservation. That's what Jesus knew about Peter, that there will come a moment where Peter's life might be on a line and Peter in that moment won't stay as valiant and 
outrageous as he claimed to have been. He said, Peter, this night, this night, before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. You got to understand what's going on in Jesus's mind. He just left where people was applauding. He just left expressing his disciples that he would be broken and would bleed. He just told Peter that you would deny me. And then after they finished that time in the upper room, he says, let's go. They go to the Mount of Olives and it says they went there singing. Singing. But he wasn't singing, it says. I can't imagine what he must have felt in that moment. Looking at his disciples there across the Kidron Valley in the Mount of Olives next to a place known as Gethsemane. I can't imagine what he must have felt. He knew and he tells them while they're singing, he actually tells them this, that you all, when the time comes, are going to scatter. That you will be nowhere to be found. Can you imagine that? He just told Peter that you're going to deny me. He tells the rest, y'all going to run when I need you the most. And they out there singing. And even in that moment of singing, he still has a sense of clarity about what's on the way. You got to follow this. Can you imagine what it feels like to know that some of the people closest to you will be the ones who betray and abandon you? I mean, go back to that scene in the upper room that when he told them that day, that night when they were sitting there eating, he said, one of y'all going to betray me. And then they all break out the panic. Is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? Jesus already sensed the betrayal. In fact, one of them did. One of them already made a deal to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He was sitting there that night with his belly full and his pockets equally full. He's sitting in that room with deniers, betrayers, and scatterers. And he knows this. And they leave to go sing. What must he have felt? What did he feel to know that there are some moments and experiences that he would have to go through alone? by himself have you felt that you know the depth of loneliness you feel when you've been betrayed and abandoned the grief in your heart the agony in your soul the pain in your spirit when you feel that and still around the people who've done that? Do you know what that feels like? Some days are better than others. The days when you can navigate the emotions and you can navigate the pain. And then there's some days you just can't. And you can't always express what, what um, unasked for loneliness feels like. But it is real. Have you felt that? To 
think about those moments you felt that and 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 now try to fight back the tears if you can. When that pain and the brutality of feeling like you were betrayed or abandoned. The loneliness incurred, the heaviness felt, the sorrow experienced. And here's the thing, folk expect you to sing. They're there singing, but he's grieving. It was as if, Joyce, he couldn't take it anymore. And he, he then gets Peter, James, and John. And he says, listen, listen, you, you my guys. I know what's going to happen, but you just come with me. I, I need to talk to God. Just come with me. And they leave by the, by the side of Gethsemane where they were singing. They go into Gethsemane, the garden, that area. It's really an olive farm, they believe. An olive vineyard is there. And, and he gets there and, and, and he tells Peter, James, and John, y'all stay here for a moment. I need to go. I need to go pray. And he goes. And, and, and it says that at, as he leaves them that he was grieved and agitated. He's hurting. I mean, he's allowed to hurt. And I know, I know that intimately because when, when you become a person that so many people depend on, you're not always feeling comfortable to express the depth of your emotions. But it says there, he's agitated and grieving. And he leaves and goes to talk to God. And he says, God, if it's possible, man, let all this just pass. Not just what would be experienced, but what had already been experienced. Let it pass. Like, I don't want to do it. Oh, man, I know you said that to God. <laughs> God, I just want this to be over. I'm tired. My God. There's nothing like, like being driven to God by fatigue and weariness. We've been there too. And, 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 and he says, let it pass. And then he says these magic words, Serena. At the end of the day, God is bigger than me. It's not what I want. It's what you want. I mean, it's a genuine plea to not want to experience what? Any more pain. Especially when your tank is almost at E to handle pain. He then leaves the conversation with God. And this is what you got to see, the level of internal rumbling and turmoil. It's this back and forth. Let me go to God. but And I know God got me, but let me see. Let, let me just see if my friends got me too. Because when you're in that moment of abandonment, emotional abandonment and betrayal, you just want somebody. To be there for you. Oh, God, I know I'm talking to somebody here today. 
You, you want somebody to be there. And, and in some way, you just want that. You want to feel that. And so he goes back. And Peter, James, and John snoring. They sleep. <laughs> Jesus gets upset. Y'all couldn't even stay awake. One hour. He said, man, I hope y'all ready when y'all time come. He leaves and he goes and talks to God again. He, he talks some more. The scripture, he repeats the same thing. Man, let this thing pass, but not my will, your will be done. Goes back. Y'all still sleeping. When I needed you the most, you could not be emotionally present. He goes back and talks to God again. The same thing. Let this thing pass, but not my will be done, your will. And he goes back a third time and they still sleeping. And he gets up. He said, let's go. He said, the betrayer is here. It's time. Isolation. Loneliness. Abandonment woundedness that's what he felt and that's what we all in different times in our lives feel it's never a good place to be it's never a good feeling and i had to realize something those of us who've experienced that and those who experience it, a few things and a few things i came across i read i want to share with you and then i'll be gone and let you all go down palm sunday brunch Something I came across, and this is deep because the disciples never really fully understood him. They always never fully got him. He was representing something for them, a hope of change from a different life. And all through the ministry, they never really got him. And, and it helped me realize something that I had read before. People don't abandon people they love. They abandon people they use. I read a writer that said, I always wonder why it's so easy for people to leave. He said, what I should have questioned was why I wanted so badly for them to stay. Because these moments actually give birth to radical introspection. At least they ought to. They ought to get you to a point where you begin to know yourself a little more and look at yourself because it's not about those who cause the pain because if you understand human beings, you understand it's going to come. But it becomes an opportunity for you to do the work of looking at you, examining you, being reflective about you, being honest with you about you. Because if you don't take that moment of grief and agony as a learning tool so that you become a better version of yourself, you will find yourself repeating these wounding deaths damaging dysfunctional cycles in your life so you have to take it not as a moment to galvanize people to be on your side because you hurt but get on your own side and start looking at yourself and being honest with yourself about yourself because maybe it's not loneliness maybe it's salvific and it's called solitude maybe you need this time to do some you work. Maybe you need this time. Not shackled by the expectations of people who are there to damage. Maybe you need this time. To be real and honest with you.
But let me give you this and I'll let you go today and hopefully it'll help. Here's what you have to know. Before you talk about how to overcome it, you need to understand what you're going through right now. Something that I read not too long ago, and, and I'm not going to give it to you exhaustively, but, but it talks about the phases of abandonment that we all experience when it's happening. One, 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 the first, this phase is called shattering. The shattering, it is the initial pain and sting of feeling betrayed and abandoned. It is that deep wounds you feel. It is when the tears keep flowing randomly. It is when you feel deeply wounded in your soul and your heart. And when you feel deep wounds in your soul and your heart, you wonder why you feel so weak because you are depleting and being depleted spiritually and emotionally by the level of pain you feel. It's the shattering phase when, when everything seems to be collapsing and, and turning in on you. And, and all you do is muse on the misery every day. And I know some of y'all been there where you can't stop thinking about the abandonment, the betrayal. You can't stop thinking about the hurt. Every time you speak to somebody, it comes up. When you're talking casually, it comes up because you can't get past verbalizing the pain you feel. You feel what? Shattered. And then there's another phase. It's, it's, it's called this. It's called withdrawal. Just like withdrawal from drugs, it's when you experience what one writer called love withdrawal. And you find yourself yearning and aching and craving and being vulnerable because you want to try to recover a sense of the thing you felt was lost in the abandonment. And you go through this deep sense of withdrawal, the physical manifestations of the brokenness and the shy. Have you felt that? Where you physically get ill because your body is going through withdrawal from what you feel has now gone and lost. Where you've experienced betrayal and abandonment. It said he was agitated and grieved. He felt this in his spirit. And then the next thing you do, and then sometimes it's the stage that many of us stay at and never get past, it's called internalizing. This is the most dangerous phase of abandonment you could imagine because internalizing, if you stay there, actually doubles the damage. Because it is one thing when you feel abandoned and betrayed. It's another thing when you start thinking you deserved it. That's what happens when you internalize it. You got to be careful with folk who make you feel like you deserve it too. It is when you internalize all the brokenness and everything. And instead of looking at the place where it took place and the source of the hurt, Mary, you start thinking, well, you know, at the end of the day, I've done some things too. And. And I haven't always been the best, too. And, and maybe this is what happens. Maybe this is karma. Maybe, maybe the universe is turning in on me. No, you turning in on you. See, we all experience it where you almost justify the treatment you experience because of treatment you've given. 
You internalize it. You sit there and you start saying things like, well, yeah, maybe I did deserve it because, you know, I've not been the best person that I know. And then, and then, you know, I've done some things wrong. And so maybe, maybe this is my just reward. Maybe this is my punishment. Maybe this is what happened. They say what goes around comes around. And maybe, you know, the Bible says if you, if you sow the wind, you'll reap the whirlwind. And so maybe this is just what happens. This is just the byproduct of my own behavior. And in the same time, you never look openly and honestly about the betrayal and abandonment you feel because you're busy internalizing those moments and you now bear the brunt of the feeling and the weight and the pain that you've experienced. You then give the person a pass. Because you say, I'm the cause of this. Not the cause of the moment, but you think that what is happening is a buildup of the past moments where you have not been your best self. And you internalize it. I know I'm talking to somebody today. And then there's this other phase that then, then because internalizing it is the one you can stay at and simply beat yourself up every day, Pastor Heaven, every day. And there's this other one called rage. Where you then get to a place where you're committed to reversing the rejection and just being mad. Oh, God. Rage can be a beautiful companion in times of loneliness. We don't always want to be honest about the companionship of rage. But boy, every now and again, it's good to wake up to somebody called rage. You wake up mad, walk through the day mad, go throughout your moment mad. You just mad and you angry. You done got past feeling it's your fault. You just now want to see the person because now you go from rage to Deacon King to revenge. I want to see this person hurt. I, 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 no, I know it ain't me. You've done the work to get past internalizing. Back up, pause. Let me go back again. Because oftentimes the only way that internalizing is, is that you're delivered from it is when you're aided and oftentimes it takes work of a therapist yeah i said it a therapist somebody you need to talk to to help you realize that this ain't your stuff yeah and, and what happens is if you're not careful you don't go from 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 being delivered from internalizing it to peace you go from there to now you go through the whole thing over again now you realize it's not your fault i did nothing this happened to me now you just plumb mad at the person now of the space you just angry you just mad all of the time and folks don't always understand because you can't always show them your rage so instead of showing your rage you show them your silence oh gosh and instead of showing your silence you show your sadness you you sit there they don't understand deacon dr green that you sitting there and you are seething within and you sit there and why didn't always see it because you know when to smile on cue and you know how to act like everything is all right but man there's some walls that you don't punch and there's some walls you want to punch right now there's some things you want to do i mean you ever had those secret thoughts of doing damage to people who damaged you and and wanted to see and then and then and then watch this watch this you have those secret thoughts of wanting to see divine retribution and then when you catch us of god forgive me i didn't want to say that God I didn't mean that well you already thought it so it's there already own your feelings and be honest with yourself right rage but imagine what happens Ruthie when you go from feeling shattered to withdrawal to internalization to rage you become what combustible and all it takes is one moment and it doesn't even have to be related to what you went through and you lose it all and you begin to explode and fly out the handle and nobody knows why you're doing this. They thought everything was okay. It was just a piece of paper on the floor. 
But they don't realize that piece of paper symbolizes the hell you've been feeling. And that one piece of paper out of order symbolizes dysfunction and chaos and disorder in your life. And that little bit of piece of paper was the straw that broke the camel's back. I, I know I'm talking to somebody today. Okay, I've taken too much time. Y'all gotta go, but let me let me give you a few things can help you. They're not deep. You can take these with you to overcome that abandonment, emotional abandonment from broken friendships, broken relationships, broken places, broken spaces that have damaged you and betrayed you and abandoned you and almost ruined you. Here. One, this is simple. It goes back to internalization. One, realize it's not you. It's not you. Mm-mm. Mm -mm. There are moments when I have to remind myself and then remind some people, I won't bear your weight again. You ever, you ever had to bear someone else's weight? You're like, I'm not doing this no more. You start looking like you bear weight. Your face start looking at it. Your body start looking. You bent over. Don't even realize you bent over. Bearing unnecessary weight. No, tell yourself, right now, just, it's not me. No, no, I meant to say that. It's not me. Yeah, you got to tell yourself that, especially if you're that person going through the abandonment and betrayal. Now it's not you. You need to tell yourself that because if you're not careful, you'll slip back into internalized chaos and think it is you and start thinking you didn't, you're not good enough or you deserve this or maybe this is the reward you get. No, it's not you. This moment, this situation, it's not you. Next, next. I already told you, these are things I just said. Work on you. Use this as a moment not to call the person who betrayed and abandoned out. Call yourself out. Look at yourself. I'm going to say it. Work on you right now. It's not you. Then work on you. Try to show up for yourself. You see, if you're going through love withdrawal, make sure that you're not going through withdrawal of love from yourself. Maybe, maybe in this season, instead of latching on to places looking for love, you need to start clinging to yourself. Maybe, maybe, maybe in your desperation to find some space of love, maybe you walk with the space every day. Maybe that space is you. Maybe that's what you've been looking for. Maybe you are the very thing you've been looking for, but you ain't found it because you won't look at yourself. Maybe you are the joy you need and the peace you need and the love you need and the happiness you need, and you are that for you. What am I saying? Man, learn the beautiful art of falling in love with yourself over and over and over and over again. Because when I'm in love with me, I ain't chasing your crazy. When I'm in love with me, I ain't walking behind your foolishness. When I'm in love with me, I take myself seriously and start protecting myself. Look at somebody and tell them, love yourself. 
Stop looking for it when you are it. Yeah, I'm the one I've been waiting for. I'm the breakthrough I've been waiting for. I, I'm the hug I've been waiting for. I'm the, I kiss myself. I'm the kiss I've been waiting for. Here it is. Next, I got to hurry up. Yeah. You want to overcome this? John Leslie, stop being an idealist. This is, this is, this is when you try to romanticize certain spaces because of your personal desperation. Newsflash. There is no such thing as a person's, a, a perfect space to recover from abandonment. You won't find it. There is no perfect space. And in fact, again, if you go back to the last thing, if you learn to love you, you won't be looking for perfect spaces. You know how many of us, Mary, have been disappointed thinking we could find perfect? See how quiet that got? <laughs> That's, No, it doesn't exist. But you exist. No, don't become an idolist. Make it, if I had this, and if I had that, if, I, if, if he was like this, if she was like that, if they were like this, all these things, that's idealism. No, they ain't it. In fact, I learned a long time ago. And here it is, and, and know how I know it? Y'all all know the lesson, you just don't follow it. Everyone knows this lesson. You want to hear the lesson? Y'all want to know it? I promise you, when I start it, y'all finish it. Because y'all all know it. You just don't pay attention to it. Watch this. You ready for the lesson? When people show you who they are. Okay, there we go. times you've been broken by saying something I can't believe he did that I can't believe she did that I can't believe they would do it. when they show you who they are all right I'm done here's the last thing well there's two more things one more thing and I'm done simple start affirming yourself Become your own healer. You've been hurt, start affirming you. You've been damaged, start affirming you. You've been wounded, start affirming yourself. Start speaking life. I know it's simple, but it's so hard to do. Start speaking life over yourself, to yourself, with yourself. Have healing conversations with yourself. When's the last time you talked yourself out of your own pity party just by speaking life? You talked yourself out of your own pain and misery by speaking life. You talked yourself out of your own hell by speaking life and reminding yourself how absolutely, fundamentally amazing you are. You missed that. You got to tell yourself every day how absolutely, fundamentally, and, and matter-of-factly how amazing I am. When's the last time you engaged in that kind of behavior? You got up in the morning and said, you know what? I don't need nobody to tell me they love me today. I don't need anybody to tell me I'm good today. Why? Because when I woke up this morning, I said, I love me. When I got out of my house, I started walking in that space. So that, why? Because if I need you to love me, you hold the keys to my joy. And I love myself too much to throw my keys your way.
Tell somebody, I love me. No, let me make it right. Tell somebody, I love me some me. Oh, yeah, I love me some me. Some folk may call it narcissistic. Some folk may call it conceited. But tell them it's called healing. I love me some me. Well, and the last thing, like Jesus discovered. You know, it's the one thing you got to know. I've been lonely. I've been lonely. But I'm not alone. I've been lonely, but I'm not alone. You know how you know? Grandma and them. I'm not, I'm churchy every now and again. I'm lonely, but I'm not alone. Can I, can I just tell you how I know it? When Jesus felt that, he went to God. Oh. I know it ain't deep. I know it ain't heavy. But when you cultivate the capacity to say, God walks with me. And God talks with me. And just when I feel like I'm by myself, he reminds me that I, is there anybody here today who can testify that I don't walk by myself? That every time I turn around, Hey, he keeps on making a way. And is there anybody here today who can testify that God keeps on making a way? Look at your neighbor and tell him, neighbor, he keeps on making a way. Tell somebody else, neighbor, he keeps on making a way. And every time I turn around, he keeps on making a way. Is there anybody here who can give God some praise? Hey. 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 Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I know this sermon ain't for everybody, but I'm talking to the folk who feel broken right now and hurt right now and damaged right now. God will never leave you alone. No, never alone. No, never alone. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward.